I'm glad you're back tonight. Thanks for being here. We are only going to do this two more, two more little baby nights. So it's almost over. So, but uh, let's do this. If you've got a ribbon thingy, Bob, in your Bible, if you would put it in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, if you put the ribbon there, and I just took it out, put it in the wrong place, Romans 8, and then we'll go to our text, it's Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you for being back tonight. It's a blessing. I'm grateful for folks that come back to the evening service and give the Lord opportunity to help them make progress in the race. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. All right, let's do this. I want to remind you that um, tomorrow night it starts at 6.30. I just want to remind you that I do have a guarantee. I can guarantee you that people will not come tomorrow night if they don't know about it. So it's possible you could get someone to come. But it will not be possible if you don't tell them or ask them. Amen. Anyway, um, I don't. I, I was trying to figure out this afternoon the depth that I'm going to go tomorrow night, and I uh, uh, it's undecided. But anyway, it has a potential anyway to help uh, people that are going through uh, great difficulty, because everybody will go through great difficulty sometime or another if they breathe air long enough. It's going to happen. So anyway, uh, I I intended I, my attempt is to do that tomorrow and. I'll uh, get more specific tomorrow afternoon uh, when I get to that. All right, Hebrews 12. If you're able, would you stand with me, please? We stand to give reverence and to give honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant. It is the perfect, preserved word of the living God. Hallelujah. So, uh, Hebrews 12 and verse number 1 and what we call 2a. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let me have prayer with you, please. Our great God, we do love you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us and proving it. Thank you for your design, for your church to assemble like we've done tonight, and that your design for us to grow and make progress is through partly what we're doing tonight. Thank you. Thank you that you let us sing and bring praise to you through song and then others minister to us through song. Thank you. Thank you for fellowship, just the good atmosphere and attitude in this place tonight. Thank you. And I want to thank you in advance for what you're about to do. I sure ask you for help. I just want to, I just want to please you and glorify your name, and so I pray you'd help me do that. And then I do pray that all of us are willing and ready to hear from you, and then say yes, surrender to whatever you ask us. We sure love you, Jesus, and we sure do look forward to when we get to see you. And it's in your mighty and holy name we pray, Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning we just opened up Hebrews 12 and said there's all kinds of metaphors in the Bible. And this metaphor here is obvious that we're compassed about. There's this coliseum going on and there's an athletic event. And so there's a race. And so Christianity, the metaphor is that Christianity is a race. And uh, so to get in the race, you have to be one of us. 
let us run. And so us as Hebrew people, it's the writer of Hebrews, and actually it's anybody who has been a partaker of the heavenly calling. Amen? If you're a partaker of the heavenly calling, I said it out loud this morning. I'll give you a chance to say something out loud. When, you, when you're a partaker of the heavenly calling, you automatically get a what? Yes, about 20 people knew. That's good. You get a jersey. Put your number on it. You say, what's my number? Well, I can tell you my number. 101763. You know, where'd you get that number from? October 17th, 1963. That's when I got saved. I got my number. Isn't that cool? So anyway, uh, if you got saved, you got your number, you're in the race, there's no, uh, you know, probation, you're automatically in the race. And so the, the whole, it's obvious that if you're in a race, you're supposed to be like making some progress. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. So tonight I want to work on this a little bit. He did say, let us, and then he used the word run. So if someone's going to run, it's obvious it's going to take some energy. In fact, it's going to take some effort to run. And so in Christianity, the metaphor says, come on, it's going to take energy. It's going to take some effort here. You need it. Is everybody hearing this? See, people want to get saved and they go, well, that's over. I've got to go do some other stuff. Oh, no, no, no. When you get to Jersey, you're in the race, friend. And the race is, it says it's a run. So it's going to take some energy. It's going to take effort. I even would, could say the word, probably going to sweat. I already know, I love this. I already know some of you are going, well, Brother Dave, I just, I don't run. In fact, I don't even know the last time I ever did run. I don't do that. Well, so I got good news for you. The Bible does have some other metaphors. And so there is another metaphor that, you know, says that we should walk. But yeah, that's better. Well, then there's another one that says stand. You know, oh, that's not bad either. Well, no, no, one says sit. Yes, praise God. No, no, there's another one. Lay down, baby. Amen. He said, okay, okay, that's the kind of one I'm looking for. I'm not interested in the run one. Okay. However... All the metaphors are identifying Christianity and pieces of Christianity. And so we don't get to change it. The metaphor is a run. So you need to make a decision. Sometime in your life, you're going to have to make the decision. Am I going to be serious about this? That I'm going to give the effort? That I'll give energy? To make progress in this race. Let us run. There are many people that are a long way from a run in their Christianity. Too bad. I'll just tell you that a run is not the same thing as a jog. When I was uh, first out of college and I was working in a church and so on, I every I I. Be, I be, Came a exerciser because I, I'm not playing any sports anymore really, and I'm trying to stay in shape and so on. And so I was a jogger, and I would jog regularly. And a few years passed, I don't know, ten years, twelve. I went to a doctor. I was having some lower back trouble, and I said, "Do you think jogging hurts my back?" He said, "Oh, you're a jogger, huh?" I said, "Well, yeah." He said, "So you're really not committed." just want to know if jogging's hurting my back, you know. He goes, a, a jogger, that sounds like you're not serious about it. He said, how, how long, how, how, how long, how, how far do you run? I said, well, I don't know, some miles, sometimes three miles or whatever. He goes, well, how long does it take you to run a mile? And I told him, and he said, jogging sounds lazy. Never tell anybody you're a jogger. 
Don't say that. Say, I'm a runner. I've been a runner ever since. <laughs> I'm a runner. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people are a long way from being serious and being a runner. Yeah. So I think this is fascinating. Let us, it does say, run with patience the race. I want to talk about the word race a minute. Let us run the race that is set before us. There's, in front of us, there's this activity that's called the race. And so I am a, a Bible student. I'm, I love it. I, I use tools to try to find out and understand and get it to where I can get it in my head, where I can tell other people about it and so on. So one of the famous tools that Bible believers use, and I hope that you'd be willing to use one, is a Strong's Concordance. And on our phones, when you get an app, a lot of them have the Strong's on there and so on. Anyway, so I, I look up words in the Strong's Concordance every once in a while. And if you look up the word race in the Strong's Concordance, I, I think it's fascinating that Strong's, what they do, they, they have the word R-A-C-E, race. Right next to it, they have the number, they have a number, and on race, it's 73. What 73 does is I, it gives you connection to other words in the Bible that it may come from. Like 73 came from 71. You don't know that. I don't know that either until I look it up in Strong's, and it says, hey, check out 71. So I did. So, then right next to the number, it has what would be called the Greek alphabet of what would the Strong's Concordance would say. This is the Greek word in a text that would be, and so it would say that it was these words. It would have these letters. It would have uh, alpha, gamma, omega, nu. So you take each one of those. And so I don't read Greek really. I don't know how to do that, but I know how to read when it transliterates it. So it changed the letters to A, G, O, N, Alpha, Gamma, Omega, Nu. Is everybody with me? So what? All right, what? listen to what it spells. A, G, O, N. And so in Strong's Concordance, he now tells you how we would pronounce it because we don't know Greek, the letters and so on, so we would pronounce it agona. Some might pronounce it agoni, agon, agoni, agona. Everybody with me? You go, well, whatever. No, 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 no. You got to hear this. The word race comes from this word in the first century Greek. Anyway, it comes from Agonia, agona, ag, agona. Does that sound like any English word you've ever heard in your life? Me too. I agree with you totally. <laughs> agony. You say, well, uh, why didn't they translate it agony? Because it's a race. They're compassed by this big stadium. Is everybody with me? In fact, I'll just go ahead and read to you how strong kind of defines it. It says it like this. Properly, Agona is a place of assembly. Then it has in parentheses, by implication, a contest is held there. So, particularly, it would be a place, and Agona is a place where a contest would be held. Sounds like it might could be a race. And then it continues. I love this. It says, figuratively, it's an effort. It's an anxiety. It's a conflict. It's contention. It could be a fight. This great cloud of witnesses, it could be there's someone when they're watching that athletic event that's a fight. But this is not a fight. This is a race. Is everybody with me? I don't know if you're getting it. Agona, agonai, or some people put the I sound or the E sound. Agoni, agonai. Punch. It means, it, it is, it's race. But here's the deal. It, it, it's amplifying the description of it that it's 
It's a contest. It's an effort. It's going to, it's, it's going to be hard. It's a contention. Everybody with me? I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's an agony. The race, what's, what's When a person gets saved, they get the jersey, they get their number, they are automatically put in the ag, agony. You're supposed to make progress in your Christianity and, and it's a, it's a agony. I don't know if you've ever seen any Christian bumper stickers. You know, honk if you love Jesus, stuff like that. How would you like to see this one? Want real agony? Try Jesus. Join the agony. Become a Christian. People go, well, I'm not, that's not what I'm looking for. I want to be a Christian. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want anything like, that's going to be like hard. It's going to take effort. It's going to take energy. So watch. The race, the agona, it does not refer to a sprint. A sprint is over. 40-yard sprint. 100-yard dash. No, this is not a sprint. It's not a dash. It's a marathon. And when you sign up, watch, when you sign up for Christianity, when you trust Christ as your Savior and you've surrendered to Him, when you, if you come up with this idea, wait, I didn't know, I, that's not what I signed up for. I just want to go to heaven. I want to be forgiven. But I don't want any of this energy, effort to be spent. Excuse me, I'll just say it to your face. I'm not ashamed to say this. But someone that says, I want to go to heaven, I want Christ as my Savior, but just forget this thing about trying to do the right thing and live right and try to follow Christian principles. They never did get saved. They didn't surrender to Him. They were just surrendering to what they wanted. Salvation is surrendering to Jesus Christ and understanding I'm a sinner. He's the Savior. He's the Holy One. I'm not holy. I need to be holy. I can't get holy on my own. Please make me holy. Save me. Please, please save me. And he's never turned down anybody that came to them, came to him when they realized they are a sinner. They can't save themselves. They need a Savior and they're trusting him. Watch, they're surrendering to him to be the Savior. If he's a Savior and then you go, buzz off, Savior. I'm not interested. I'm thinking I'm having trouble believing that you really trusted the Savior. You trusted what you wanted and what you hoped for. You weren't looking for someone to be like the Lord of your life. Someone that you yielded to and surrendered and let them be king of your life. Is everybody hearing me? So when we talk about the race, and that it's going to be difficult. In fact, that's how I describe it. Christianity, guaranteed, guaranteed discomfort. Why? It's an agony. It's effort. It's energy. I don't care how much you work out, how much you run, all that stuff. It doesn't matter. Still, to be able to do this, to get to the goal that you want, it takes a whole lot of Effort, energy, and sweat to get where you want to go. Somebody say amen. Wow. Hmm. Those who want a jersey and don't want to surrender, they got the wrong Savior. Amen. So a mature or a Christian that receives Christ, and now they have their jersey, they're in the race, Here's the, here's the thought process. I'm in it for the long haul. Listen carefully. I'm not in it for three weeks to see if it works. I'm not in it for three months to see, well, I think it helped. I'm not in it for a year or three years. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it until it's over. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. So, now watch. Let us run, effort, energy, sweat, the race, the agony, the discomfort, just hang in there. It's going to take effort to get there. And then it tells you how to do it. I love this, that 
When the Bible gives us instruction, this is what you need to do, it, it always will inside there tell us, well, this is how you can do it. So the Bible says, let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Pardon me, I've got <coughs> something going on. <clears throat> I hate to drink in front of people. <coughs> Some of you are thirsty too. Does anybody want to drink before I take a drink? <clears throat> I don't mind drinking after people, but if you need it like I do. <clears throat> Excuse me, pardon me. A little dry spot right in there. Excuse me, I didn't get... <clears throat> See why I don't like to drink in front of people? <laughs> so he tells us how we can run. He says, let us run with patience. So there's a couple of ways to look at the, to go about this. So first of all, I'll do it like this. You don't have to point at him, but you can if you want to. Do any of you in this room, do you know somebody that you would consider they are not patient. You can point your finger out if you want to. Or just raise your hand. I know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you go, well, I'm not going to point because they, they're going to point right back at me. I'm not. If you know someone that's not patient, that's pretty sure that you're kind of, I have an idea of what patience is. Someone that doesn't want to wait. Amen. Someone that wants it now. They don't have patience. The Bible says if we're going to run this race, this agony, we're going to have to do it with patience. I uh, thought it was appropriate, and I did. I looked it up in the Webster's Dictionary, and some of you would know we use a 1928 dictionary often and so on. Anyway, he defines it like this. Patience means to endure. Then he continues, to endure, uh, he calls it the continuance. So endure, continuance, holding out. So in the race, there's going to be these difficulties. And while I'm in the race, I need to be hanging there. Continuance, holding out, endure. Is everybody with me? But here's the thing, Mr. Webster's not done with the definition. Then he says this, the the continuance holding out, then he goes like this, continuing holding out the suffering of afflictions. Oh, so if someone is being patient, they're going to hang in there and continue even when there's afflictions. In fact, he called it the suffering of afflictions. He's not done. He continues and says, You hold out and continue the suffering of pain, toil, calamity. Oh. In the race, there's going to be pain. There's going to be toil. There's going to be afflictions. Amen? No, 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 no. I don't want a Christianity. If you're going to have trouble and everything is not, you know, chocolate cake, ice cream, I'm not going. Well, it's not all chocolate cake and ice cream. In fact, it's an agony. It's something that you have to make the commitment to, to endure. Something that you're going to be patient with when the pain, affliction, toil, calamity comes. You're going to endure. Somebody say amen. I thought this was fascinating. He's not done with the definition. Mercy. He says, the sense is continuance, holding out, the suffering of afflictions, pain, calamity, toil. Then he says this word, and provocations with a calm, unruffled temper. Oops. If you're patient... When provocation comes, 
you're going to have a calm, unruffled temper. <laughs> That's too bad. Some of you are not driving yet. And as you get older and so on, you start driving. There are people out there, well, they just don't drive right. You know what I mean? Why are slow people in the fast lane? What is that about? Why do they want to provoke us like that? You know what provocation is, don't you? Someone provokes you. They push your buttons. They get you mad. They get you yelling at them. I love it. I, I've ridden with lots of people, lots of friends. They're driving, and they they are yelling at all the other drivers around them, and none of the drivers can hear them. But they're letting them have it. Where'd you get your license from? What? Do you even have a license? What is wrong with that bimbo up there? What is she doing blocking the... Is, is everybody with me? What happened? They got provoked. I drive all over the country. Your pastor, I thought I put a lot of miles on my car. We, bo- we both got a, a different vehicle about the same time. And you told me you've already put 32, 23,000 miles on it. I put 15,000 on mine, and I thought I drove a lot. He's already put 23 on his. So when you drive that much, that means there's people out there They are bothering you. They 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 want to wreck you. Or they're trying it's scary. You know what I'm talking about? And so we're supposed to do this. Some person comes <laughs> there's only this much room and they think they can put their car in there. Let's slam on our brakes and we do this. Oh, God bless you. I'm sure praying for you today. I hope that God protects you because you don't drive good. <laughs> That's kind of like a calm, unruffled temper. Anybody hearing me? So since we're talking about it, I don't mean to get totally personal, but I do. Inside your home. Since I don't, haven't been in your home, I've only been in, I live in my home. There you have it. We don't have anybody living with us. It's just us two. We travel together. Now, we have a daughter that lives in our house at home, and we go to our house 60 days a year, so we visit our daughter in our house at home. But we live, it's just us two. How can just two people not be able to find something in a motel room? What did she do with it? I mean, where could it be? Everybody with me? She's provoking. I mean, it seems like she's provoking me. And I'm supposed to do this. Nancy, honey. Honey, you were the last one that had my wallet. And I saw you carry that over there. And I just don't know, honey, what you did with my wallet. Could we just have a word of prayer together and ask God to help us find it? (laughs) Uh, If you did that to your wife in front of your kids, your kid would go, Oh, dad's on drugs again. (laughs) Something's wrong with dad. Or if mom did not come unglued when you kids did something to provoke her and you do it all the time, you know you do it. If your mom didn't come unglued and she went, now, just a minute, Lily. Everybody looked at her. I didn't mean to look at her. (laughs) Okay, Lily. Honey, we need, let's talk about this a second. Does everybody hear me? And Lily goes, we ain't talking about nothing. (laughs) And then the mother is going, He's provoking me. I'm supposed to have a calm, unruffled spirit. Jesus, help me have a calm, unruffled spirit. Amen. I don't know if you're getting this or not. There's all kinds of provocations in Christianity. 
There's all kinds of provocations in regular life. And the Bible says, hey, 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 McCracken, you're supposed to run this agony, this difficult thing. It's going to take energy and effort. It's going to take sweat. But son, you're going to have to do it. You need to have a calm, unruffled temper, boy. You need to work on this. It's so hard. But he's telling me if I want to make it, if I want to make progress, I need to start getting some self Oh, I hate to say this word out loud. Self-control. Amen? Yielding to the Spirit to let Him take over rather than me blow up. Somebody say amen. Wow. Here's a bummer. He's not done with the definition. And there's already way plenty. It's continuance. Holding out the sufferings of affliction, pain, toil, calamity, provocation with a calm, unruffled temper. Then he says this, endurance without murmuring and complaint. Well, that's a bummer. I feel like I did real good if I don't blow up. I come home and tell Nancy, you won't believe what happened at Walmart. Those people drive me nuts. But I did good. I did good. I didn't blow up. I didn't yell at them. I just... It was real difficult, but I did it. But you know what I'm doing? I'm murmuring and complaining. I'm supposed to do this Christian Christian behavior without murmuring, without complaint. So I'll just say this to you out loud. I've said these words to a church before, like I'm doing to you guys tonight. And in my head, I'm just thinking... It would be like a revival if people stopped murmuring and complaining. It would be awesome. What about inside the home? I think this is like the young people rose. What would it be like if you didn't murmur and complain in your house? Your parents would go, oh, our kids, an alien has gotten inside my kid. They're not murmuring and complaining. They're, I don't know what happened to my kid. They would beg you to come back or not. Is everybody getting this? In Christianity, we're supposed to run the race with patience. Wow. <clears throat> the way I define this, if I'm going to run with patience the way Webster just defined it, it's going to take some self-discipline. I'm going to have to get flesh under control. I can't control my own flesh, but I can yield to the Spirit for Him to help me. Amen? But we still got to, we've got to deal with the flesh we live in. Andrew Murray said it like this. He said, it demands discipline, rigid care, self-sacrifice, self-denial. He says, we have intense exertion claiming body and soul. As we yield to the Spirit, I don't know if you're aware of this verse or not, but when we yield to the Spirit, what we're supposed to be doing is dying to self. We're supposed to be crucified to self. Dead to self. And ladies and gentlemen, if you can die to self, it's going to take some effort. Your self does not give up. Your flesh does not give up. It constantly is there. There is an internal battle that never, ever ends till we get to heaven. Amen. It's not going to end. I, uh, I, uh, lately, I'm just sorry, uh, lately I talk to old people. Seems like that's who I hang out with. And old people, we say... You know, I thought by now I'd do, I'd be doing better. I thought by now I'd have more, more spiritual life and not, and less, less fight with the flesh. And it hasn't gone away yet. Somebody say amen. Okay. So what I thought, Christianity is not a life of luxury or passive luxury, just floating around on flowery beds of ease and we're, woo. Jesus is awesome. Christianity's easy. Hallelujah. 
No, it's a race. So to just give a brief description of a race, people that are do, do run races, people that are athletes, doesn't it take effort for them to become an Olympian? To be an Olympian? You know, there are people that, they, they, they started when they were six or eight years old and now they're 18 years old and they're trying out for the Olympics and they miss, they don't get to even go on the team and they only miss by one and a half seconds. Isn't that crummy? One and a half seconds? Or a half a second? They don't even get to be on the team. A couple of years ago, or now several years ago, uh, one of the heroes in our lifetime, for some of you might be already too young for him, but uh, Michael Phelps won more gold medals. Anybody, he retired. And then he came back and he won more gold medals. You know that Michael, Belt, Michael Phelps, when he was 15 years old, 15 years old is the first time he made the Olympic team. They don't have the Olympics every four years. I mean, every year they have them every four years. His second Olympics, he was 19. His third Olympics, he was 23. His fourth Olympics, he was 27. His fifth Olympics, he was 31. He went to five Olympics. When he, at 15 years old, he was swimming. Listen to these words. He was swimming. I'm saying the word swimming and wawa 50 miles a week. I don't want to walk 50 miles a week. I'm not doing it. Is everybody hearing me? 50 miles? So that, you know what that probably means? He missed some pizza parties. He missed some activities other young people were doing. A couple years ago now, uh, this little bitty, little bitty squirt. She's a little tiny, tiny woman. Simone Biles. She's just, just a little bitty thing. She flipped, flopped, bounced, jumped, rolled, flipped. Uh, more than better than anybody else. She was awesome. She got all kinds of gold medals. She started when she was six years old. Training, gymnastic training. You know how many hours she trained a week? Four zero. Forty. That's like forty. I mean, like that's almost fifty. 40 hours a week. It's like how many hours many people work a week. Forty eight hours a day for five days. 40 hours a week she trained. That's why she could flip, flop, jump, bounce, turn, twist, all that stuff better than anybody else. Anybody hearing me? I don't know if you're getting this. It takes some energy. It takes some effort. It takes a commitment. When I got out of college, I told you I was a jogger, and then I found out I wasn't. I'm a runner. But when I would hear about people running marathons, I go, I want to do that. I think I, I'd like to run a marathon. Then I found out, oh, it's 26 miles, 26.2 miles. That's like a long ways. And then I'd hear someone say they ran a marathon. It excited me because I was a runner. And I would say, well, that is awesome. And I'd give them a great big hug. I'd go, you're awesome. You ran 26 miles. You did it. Way to go. Awesome. I don't care how long it took. I hugged them. I gave them a big hug. If someone ran a half a marathon, I give them a half a hug. I say, you're awesome, dude. Look at what you, 13.1. That's a lot. The 13 miles is pretty far. Everybody with me? I had this thing inside me that I wanted to run a marathon. But I have a bad knee. And I have lower back trouble. And I just, I don't think I could do it. I was 56 years old, 57 years old, and I was in... Uh, Marysville, Ohio, at Bob Evans' restaurant. There were nine people sitting at the table. Nancy and I were two of them, so seven other people. Six of the seven had run a marathon. We started talking about it. I'm going, that's awesome. You're going, that's incredible. Look at you. And one of them was like an old, la- older lady. She was. She was like 52 or three. She's like an old person. She's running a marathon. And I was listening to their stories, and they said, Brother Dave, you can do it. I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I got a bad back. I can't. No, 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 no. Read this book. If you just read this journal, this book here, do what it says. In 14 weeks, you can run a marathon. Oh, I got so excited. I went back to the room that night, Saturday night. I downloaded on Kindle, Non-Runner's Guide to Marathon Training. 
I read almost half the book Saturday night before church. I did. After church, Sunday afternoon, I read the rest Sunday afternoon and Sunday night I read the rest of the book. The book said, if you can run 30 minutes, if you can go out right now, run 30 minutes without stopping in 14 weeks, you can run a marathon. It was awesome. I got up Monday morning and I told Nancy, I've decided I'm going to run a marathon. Made the decision, I'm going to do it. I got my running clothes on, I stretched and got ready. And you got to run 30 minutes without stopping. And I'm telling you the truth. I got out and I took off running my regular pace. I didn't try to go fast or anything. I ran my regular pace. And then I, I ran for a total of five minutes. I couldn't get to 10. It took me three weeks to get to 30 minutes. When I got to 30 minutes, I started doing what the book said, the uh, instructions that they gave. And I was looking for a marathon to run, so I, I thought they would have one every week. You just go there and run, but they don't. So anyway, I found one that I could run, but there was only 12 weeks left. So I called a friend of mine who's in Colorado. He's a marathoner, and I said, hey, I'm, 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 I'm going to run a marathon, but I've only got 12 weeks to train. Do you think I could do it? You can do it, Dave. You can do it. So I did it. So I trained. The first week... You run four days a week. I ran three miles on Monday, four miles on Tuesday, three miles on Wednesday, and then on Friday or Saturday, one of the days, depending on how I travel, is your long day. I ran five miles. I'd run five miles before in my life, and I go, okay, I did it. The next week, I ran three, four, three, six. I was in Indianapolis, Indiana. First time I ever ran more than five miles. I called six people and said, guess what? I just did. I ran six miles without stopping. I'm training for a marathon. Week number nine, you run four miles on Monday, seven miles on Tuesday, four miles on Wednesday, 16 miles Friday and Saturday. The next week I was in uh, Salt Lake City. You ran five miles, eight miles, five miles. You run 18 miles. In Salt Lake City, I ran 18 miles. It snowed the entire time I ran. Snowed. What did I do? I just kept running. Now, I didn't know this in preparation for the marathon, and you that have done long distance, you already know this. But when you're running and you're getting up to around 8 or 10 miles or whatever, your feet start burning. They hurt. You're going, my feet are killing me. How am I going to run 26 miles? I can't even run 8 miles or 10 miles. But after a mile, they, another mile, they stop hurting. Your feet don't hurt anymore. Then it's, then it's your knee. You're going, oh. Then it moves. You run a couple miles, you're hobbling, and then it's not your knee or your feet. It's your hip. I'm telling the gospel truth. I, I run, I'm like up 12 miles. My feet have hurt, my knees have hurt, my hip hurt. My shoulders started hurting. I don't even run with it. It's just going like this. But I'm going, Whoa. So week 10 and 12, I did the same, uh, 11 and 12, I did five miles on Monday, eight miles on Tuesday, five miles on Wednesday, and 20 miles. They said, if you can run 20 miles, you can run 26. So I did the, I did the preparation. I had four goals when I ran my marathon. Number one, don't die. Number one, good goal. Number two, don't stop. Don't take one step. Don't stop. Don't stop and take a drink. Run the whole time. Because if I go out running right now, if Nancy goes, did you make it when I get back? I'm going, I'm standing here. But what she means is, did you run the whole way or did you have to walk some? I didn't want to, st- I didn't, it's not wrong, it's not against the rules to walk, to get a drink. I didn't walk one step. That was my goal anyway. The next goal was do it less than five hours. Now, why did I choose five hours? Because there was three women, two of them had three babies, that they did it in four hours and 54 minutes. And I ain't letting some woman that's got three babies have go faster than me. I said, I got to do it in less than five hours. And number four was finish the race. If it ta- I didn't know this was a rule. If it takes you seven hours, you don't get the medal. 
It's a marathon. You're supposed to run it. It's not a walkathon. I didn't know that. But if it takes, but if it took me seven hours, I was going to finish the race. I didn't care. And God's kindness, I was 57, I was 56 years old. I turned 57, I ran in December. I turned 57, 18, 19 days later, and I made every goal. I was so happy and thrilled that I did it. I made every goal. Do you know why I did that? You know why I made the marriage, why I did it? I'm 50. My mom said, why did you wait till you were so old? I asked myself the question every day. You know why I made it? I made a commitment. I made a decision. I'm going to do it. Is everybody hearing me? The only reason anybody will ever ride 100 miles on a bike is they made a decision to do it. The only reason anybody's going to run a marathon, they made a decision. The only reason you're ever going to be able to lift 400 pounds is you're going to have to work a long time. But you have to make the decision. Is everybody with me? No matter what the event is, you have to make the commitment and the decision. If I'm going to make it in the race for Christ, if I'm going to make it in Christianity, i got to make the decision. I'm willing to do the effort. It takes energy. It takes a decision, a commitment. Are you willing to make it? Here's the deal. Did I tell you if we, when we turn to Romance 8 that it's almost over? Did I tell you that a while ago? Did I? Well, I meant to. Romance 8. It's almost over. Romance 8. Let me show it to you. Here's what I want to do. Just a second. We're going to read the verse. Look up here. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Fifth grade class. Fifth grade class. My, te- my daughter teaches fourth. This is fifth grade class. They're out on the playground. You're out on the playground. The teacher goes, okay, all fifth graders, fifth graders, come on over here. Come over here. All you fifth, come on, fifth graders. Come on. All you fifth graders, come on. And gets them over there, bunched up around her. Okay, we're going to run a race. So I want, I want you to line up on the line. Get on the line. I'm going to blow the whistle, and we're going to run the race. Are you ready? Hey, get on the line. I'm going to blow the whistle. When I blow the whistle, take off. Are you ready? On your mark, get set. They take off all but one boy. He's just standing there. She said, why are you not running? And he said, he never did tell us where to run to. Wouldn't that be a horrible race? You don't know when it's over? When is our race over? I want to show it to you. Romans 8. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And it might be the firstborn of my many brothers. Time out, time out. Here's the deal. How long do I run? How do I, when is my race over? When I am conformed to the image of his son. Well, when does that happen? Well, according to the Holy Bible, when we see him, we shall be like him. How long do I run? Until I see Jesus. Amen? No, 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 no. You've got to make the commitment. Excuse me, every one of you, no, not everybody. You that have been in church, if you that have been in church four or five years here at this place, you already, you already know people who used to come that don't go anywhere, anywhere anymore. There are all kinds of people that used to. There's all kinds of people that used to be dedicated, teach classes, sing specials, be involved in all that stuff, and they're not in the race. Why? Because we got this to deal with. We have the flesh to deal with. But we need to make the decision, the commitment now. God, I've decided I'm going to stay in the race until I see Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, that's an appropriate commitment decision to make. And since we're talking about it, I might as well say it. It's okay to even recommit. We call it rededication. Have I ever messed up in my Christianity? Uh, yeah. Have I ever got where I'm indifferent? I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. I'm not witnessing. I'm not. I go. I, I had to go. I had to sit there. My dad's the preacher. I was there. Doesn't mean I'm in the race. You just rededicate yourself. Recommit. 
re-surrender. God, I, I, I'm going to stay in the race. I'm making the decision now to stay in the race until I see Jesus. Wow. I love that. You know what that means? That means everybody in this room, we have potential to finish the race. I love it. No, 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 no. You can't. Well, I'm such a lousy Christian. Well, ask God to forgive you and make a decision. Stay in the race. Amen. There's all kinds of life choices we have to make to say, I'm going to make my commitment. Amen. Mercy. I got something rolling around in my back of my brain. I don't know if I should say it or not. If you have a, if you owe somebody money, even though you don't have money to pay, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to pay them. What do you got to do? Well, I got to get a second job. Or I got to stop having this. I got to cut this out of my life so I have a few more dollars so I can pay. Is everybody hearing me? It's just like if you owe a bill, you're like supposed to pay it. And I'm just going to go ahead and be tacky. If I got money for education, I should pay it back. I mean, that's kind of like simple. Now, if I would have said, uh, I'm going to take this money from you, but I just want you to look, and I'm telling you right now, I ain't paying you. And I go, hey, I told you up front, I'm not paying you. Is everybody with me? But if you said you were going to pay him back, you ought to. If I make a commitment to Jesus Christ, don't you think I ought to keep it? Does that mean I'm not going to struggle? No, it is a struggle. In fact, it's guaranteed discomfort. But I'm going to make the decision. Well, what a hallelujah. It'd be like a, it'd be like a revival in this place. If hearts in this room would just say, you know, I'm rededicating. I'm re-surrendering to keep my commitment to stay in the race. And some of you don't have your jersey yet. You need to get your jersey. Just running the race ain't going to get you to heaven. You got to get saved. You got to get the jersey first. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Thank you for listening. Let's pray, all right? Our great God, I sure do love you. I thank you for loving me, for loving us. I thank you for proving that you love us. And Jesus, it's overwhelming in my, in my brain when I think about you put me in the race, you gave me a jersey.